Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Penguins all over the Devils. It's 6-1 early in the third. Late in the third, Boston looking to close out Buffalo. They're up 2-0. Halfway through the third, Islanders smoking the Rangers 5-1. Bailey has just scored his eighth of the season. Early in the third, Hurricanes with a 3-1 edge on the Lightning. 13 minutes left, Panthers up 5-1 on the Blue Jackets. Two goals for Sam Bennett in that game late in the first. Dallas out to a 3-0 lead on Detroit Pavelski with his 19th of the season. Maple Leafs and Canucks will face off right away. Ducks and Kings get going in about an hour. Blue Jays taking on Boston now 4-2 for the Red Sox in that game, they were up 4-1. Uh, Gritchuk just hit a home run for the Blue Jays, so 4-2 now. And the sixth inning just ended. Just double-checking if that inning was over or not. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Oilers and Canadians tomorrow, 6 o'clock face-off show, game at 8. Jujar Kara. Dave Tippett said he's uh, doing okay after getting wobbled by that hit last night, but it doesn't sound like he's going to play tomorrow. Ryan Nugent Hopkins might be able to return. Carey Price out for a week with a concussion after getting knocked by Alex Chason on that play in the first period that disallowed the Connor McDavid goal. Well, I'd really appreciate the several of you who texted in the YouTube link to the Don Koharski Jim Schoenfeld have another donut incident from 1988. Kellen was able to retrieve that on his own, but we do appreciate that that resonated with so many of you. It'd be a great name for an album. Have another donut. Mm-hmm. Got to watch with those too, because uh, there are some that are fit for broadcast and some that are the actual real deal raw tape. So yes, well, you, you, did, you did a good job. Make sure that making sure we didn't put anything exactly. on the radio that we shouldn't have and when it comes to profanity i think on this show we put a lot of things on the radio that we probably shouldn't but it, we don't we don't do any profanity at least for me dave says hi reed i remember that 1981 series so well best of five if i recall headline in the paper the next day gretzky and the giant killers i'm sure a lot of you remember that series it was a best of five what they had best of fives in the first round until 1985 or 86 i think 1986 playoffs was the last year it was best of five in the first round, and then they went to best of seven. All right. Rocket says, Reed, that game last night was an all-out 80s game. Everyone I talked to says exactly the same. I sincerely hope this wasn't a one-off. Habs Oilers got to love that. Rocket, I the only thing that separated it from being a game out of the 1980s was about six more goals. <laughs> It was a very intense game. It was a good hockey game for sure. Got a text here from Louie who says, uh, obviously the Oilers are kicking butt. I have to give Ken Holland an A-plus this year. 
We had doubts on the power play. He signs Barry. Now we have some respect up high on the PP. The Barry one-timer is pretty good. We needed a goalie. Signed Smith. Gets a deal. Man, I wasn't sure about Smith. No one was. Holland is a genius. Smith's numbers are ridiculous. Up and down the lineup, all the changes Holland made seem to be coming together. He brings Pugliarvi back. We weren't sure, but he's awesome. Props to Holland. Just wait and see what else Holland has up his sleeve and some bucks to back it up this offseason. Go Oilers. That is from Louie. Well, I think a lot of Ken Holland's moves have worked out. I, I will say this. I don't think he thought Mike Smith was going to be that good. Quite frankly, I'm not sure anybody thought Mike Smith was going to be that good, except for Mike Smith. I think Mike Smith believed in himself, and we had Adam Francilia on the show probably six or eight weeks ago now, the uh, conditioning coach, basically an off-season goalie coach that Smith worked with in Kelowna in September and October and clearly helped Smith out a lot. But I, I don't think Ken Holland thought that. I mean, what's he up to now? Is it 16? I can't even remember his record. It's so good. I think it's now 16, 4 and 2. That's, that's phenomenal. And he's got a 9.23 save percentage. Um, look, Louie, first of all, I appreciate the optimism and the enthusiasm. I think there are reasons to be optimistic and enthusiastic. If I, if I were going to assess Ken Holland overall, uh, I think I don't think every signing has worked. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downey here, but let's look at everything. Uh, you know, Kyle Turris has not been able to contribute in a third line role, or really any. Like Kyle Turris might not play another game this season. Um, so Dominic Cahoon, I would give uh, mixed reviews at best in terms of fitting into the top six. He's had some good games. I, I don't think he's quite had the point production that they were hoping. But yeah, bringing Pugliarvi back, smoothing over that relationship when Pugliarvi and his agent at one point said, uh, we want to play in the NHL, but we're not going to play in Edmonton ever again. So I think you give Holland and Tippett some credit there. I, I think here's the thing about Holland, and even last year, he, for the most part, and there are some contracts we can talk about, but I think for the most part, he doesn't overpay for depth players. And some guys haven't worked out, but he's sort of covered his bases where there have been other options. So Devin Shore has come in and done a good job, and maybe he's filling some of the role that they were hoping Turris could fill, for example. Don't forget, last year, people were pretty excited about the Marcus Grandlin signing, and he didn't work out. But there were other depth players like Riley Shan last year, like Josh Archibald, who were able to step in and do a job. So, yeah, I, I think fair fair uh, text from Louie. I think we can – I don't know if I'd give Ken Holland an A-plus, but I'd certainly give him a strong passing grade for this season. Uh, Dale says, don't forget we are only playing a fraction of the teams. Uh, I, I had no idea, Dale. I thought that was the entire league, just seven teams. Like, seriously, Dale, that's your text. Don't forget we are only playing a fraction of the teams. What what do you mean by that? Do you mean that's a, that makes the Oilers seem better, that makes them seem worse, that you're unsure about how, how they'd be doing against other teams? Okay. You know who else is only playing a fraction of the teams? The New York Islanders, Washington Capitals, Vegas Golden Knights, St. Louis Blues. That's the league this year. I don't know what to tell you, Dale. 
Bray says, don't book, book any hall parties yet, but they have outperformed so far, win the North, then we can feel good about the season. Well, yeah, sure. Ultimately, a lot of it's going to determine how the Oilers do in the playoffs. Again, I think that was a step last night. Hockey's a funny sport because playoff success means so much to how you perceive a team, even during the regular season. Here's an example. The Edmonton Oilers have 56 points. One other team in the NHL this year has exactly 56 points. That's the Boston Bruins. I'm guessing most of you would put the Boston Bruins higher on a list of Stanley Cup contenders than the Edmonton Oilers. And you wouldn't be doing that based on this regular season because the team has virtually identical records. But the playoff success of the past figures into how you perceive the Bruins and the Oilers don't have a lot of playoff success. And obviously they don't even have a lot of playoff experience. All right. 780-496-0063. Chris Johnston from Sportsnet. All right, before we get to Chris Johnston on the Certainteed Hotline, 780-496-0063, we have Chris standing by on the open line. Hey, Chris, go ahead. Hi, Reed. How you doing? Good. I uh, have listened to uh, hockey games on the radio since Danny Gallivan and all through that, and I really, really like this new local young guy you got called in the games. Cam Moon, I think his name is. Cam and, Moon is his name. He's going to be flattered that you call him young. i got to tell him that. Well, you know, he's a local boy, but I love the way he calls it. I can follow it all the way through. I know exactly what's happening. I know exactly what time is left in the period. I think he's really awesome. And the other thing that kind of reminds me of Rod Phillips is that that day we were quite surprised that our hockey team was actually that good. <laughs> and Cam seems to do that, like what he calls a goal he's like really genuinely excited and happy you know so i really like this guy i really do so it's well, he's a lot of fun to listen to well thanks for that i'll tell cam you said that he's a great man he's a great broadcaster uh, we're lucky to have him and jack on on the airwaves they're obviously splitting the play-by-play duties on ched this season okay you can get him on sportsnet get him on twitter at reporter chris chris johnston back on the show hey chris how's it going I'm doing well. Every day feels the same right now. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I hear you, but hopefully we're we're getting out of that. But I, I got to ask you about something, though, because you are doing something very brave. And, and I became a runner, oh, about uh, 11 or 12 years ago now. And I am not an elite runner, but I get there. Uh, and you, you've, you're doing something pretty cool. Tell us about this this venture that you're on. <laughs> Well, I should preface it by saying I'm not elite either, nowhere close. Um, but for the last year, I've, I've been running every day. Um, I, I started early in the pandemic time, quite honestly, just because it was pretty jarring to have the world stop. And, you know, I, I live in a kind of a small apartment in downtown Toronto. You know, in, in my previous days, I was traveling a lot and, and, you know, life was busy and fast. And all of a sudden it got very slow and I was finding it challenging. And so... I, I literally just started getting out the door for a run every day. And, and, you know, as we're recording this now, I guess I just finished day 356. So I'm coming up on my full year uh, here at the end of the month. And, and 
you know, it's been something that's helped uh, my peace of mind. Obviously, there's been some some physical benefits too, but really, for me, it was just uh, something mentally, uh, you know, a small goal each day to achieve that's helped me get through this uh, pandemic period. So, were you any sort of a runner before you started doing this? Uh, about ten years ago, I was. I used to run, you know, the odd marathon and, and certainly a bunch of half marathons. You know, back in 2009, 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there. And, and you know, really right around the time I started uh, working at Sportsnet, uh, which was in 2013, and traveling a ton, I kind of got out of the rhythm of, of doing races and, and training frequently. And so, you know, I, I guess in the back of my mind, and, and look, this wasn't a conscious part of that decision at the time, but, you know, I'd, I'd always sort of missed it and, and regretted that I'd fallen out of the, the habit. So, you know, the, you know, being at home for, for the pandemic time gave me the chance to, to get reacquainted with that. And quite honestly, it's, it's my favorite thing I do every day now. So I'm, I'm really glad I've had the chance to do it. Well, that's, that's so cool that you've, you've done it every day. And I understand how you feel that it just becomes part of your routine and it feels so good. And you're kind of capping off the year next week with what you're going to do an actual marathon distance. I am. I committed to doing 42.2 kilometers on April 29th, which which marks my year. Uh, it was kind of in the back of my mind that I wanted to celebrate doing this full year of, of running every day, you know, in style. You know, I'm, I'm certainly I believe I'm in the shape to do it. So I, I kind of wanted to, 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 you know, do that. But then I, I, I felt I needed a little more push. So, you know, I, I ended up linking up with the Conquer COVID-19 charity. And, you know, I've tried to divert some, you know, some of my efforts their way and, and encourage people to donate. And, and I know that they've, you know, taken a number of donations in. So, you know, hoping to, to shine a spotlight on the good work they're doing. And, and, you know, for myself, it's it's kind of one final challenge in this year is to to wake up on the 29th and, and you know, run 42 kilometers from, from my front door. Well, that is, have you picked the route already? I have. I actually, it's funny the way these things go. You know, I talked about this on radio in Toronto one day and, and there's a local running coach got in, in touch with me and he was giving me some advice on, on the end of my training and, and he actually came up with a route. So, um, you know, basically the, there's a, a long extended path along the waterfront in Toronto. You know, it actually kind of reminded me, I was in Edmonton in September and I was running every day uh, down in the, the river valley there. It's sort of similar to that. And so there's a huge extended group of trails. And so I've going to go 21 kilometers one way from my house and then basically 21 kilometers the other way and loop back home. Well, you're an honorary Edmontonian if you've run in the river Valley. <laughs> well, every day in fun. September, my man, I was doing the <laughs> stairs at the end. I actually think those stairs helped me up by the hotel McDonald there oh, to yes. finish, finish the run every, every day. So it was, it was great. That is awesome. Well, good luck. I'll have to text you next Thursday. That's so cool. You're doing that. Chris Johnston from Sportsnet joining us tonight inside sports. Okay. So the running adventure is, is a good one. The hockey adventure has been a pretty That game last night was awesome between the Oilers and the Canadians. What a tilt. Yeah, it was great. And you know, I, I shouldn't say, say I, I didn't see it coming, but I, it kind of felt like just because Montreal has had some success in bottling up the Oilers top guys and, and, you know, they seem to do well, even against Toronto with, with, you know, Matthews and Marner haven't had a great time with them. And so, you know, I, I thought that the, at the Montreal, there's a lot riding on the game for them, uh, you know, with, with the fact that they've kind of been slipping here and then bam, an explosion of offense from, from the Oilers. And, you know, it was, it was exciting. And, and it turns out this division is going to go right down to the wire. You know, I didn't know how that would go, you know, at one point in time here, but between the Oilers, the Jets and the Leafs, I think that, 
you know, certainly three teams still fighting for first. And, you know, who knows, maybe if Vancouver can catch some magic in a bottle, you know, they can even make it interesting and try to make a charge for, for the fourth playoff spot in the division. Okay. I want to ask you about a couple of things here because Rob Brown and I, after the games, especially when the Oilers win and fans are excited, they'll be like, well, is this player, could he win this award? Is he going to get any votes? And Rob and I are happy to speculate, but we don't vote. But you do, in at least the awards voted on by the media. And I- hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I know you, there are still around a dozen, 13, 14 games left for each team. Um, but for the heart trophy, should we just uh, like, are you, is it already in pen that you're going to vote for McDavid? (laughs) I I would say pretty close. You know, the only, the only X factor there is those last 10 or 12 games. You know, if for some reason he doesn't play them, I'm not trying to, to throw that into the universe, but you know, things could change between today when we're talking and when the votes do, um, you know, and, and not that, you, know, you just have to consider it differently if for some reason he's not able to. But, I mean, look, it, it it's definitely his award to lose. I don't think that's a, a controversial opinion from someone, you know, in Edmonton, but certainly someone like myself who's not based in the city and watching the team as closely as you guys are. Um, you know, I, I do feel that this will be, you know, another year where, where he gets the, the, the hard trophy. I imagine uh, his, his, you know, his colleagues will give him the Ted Lindsay as well um, because the, the, the season's been that special. But, you know, there's still, I guess, the outside chance someone comes from behind here. But I, I, I don't I don't really see that in the cards. You know, Connor's had such a great year. The Oilers have, have had a pretty great year too, which I think is probably what's the only reason he hasn't won at least one more of these things at some point already. And this won't be his last, I suspect, either. Okay, so here's the interesting one. Darnell Nurse, who's doing awesome. A lot of good stats, and like you said, on a pretty good team. Now, I know in Canada, Petrie's doing great. Hedman's having another good year. But do you see Darnell Nurse? uh, I I don't know if he's going to win the Norris, but maybe in that top three, I I would certainly think he'd get votes in the top five. He's definitely going to get votes in the top five. And for fans maybe who don't understand how the process works or aren't privy to this, Basically, you submit your votes one through five for, for each of these awards when, when you're a voting member uh, like myself in the Professional Hockey Writers Association. So, you know, he's definitely going to get enough attention that he's on ballots. Um, you know, probably the, the reasonable cutoff if we're, if we're sort of figuring out where this goes is does he get enough votes to finish, you know, in the top three, which would be a huge, you know, compliment to him. Um, there's, there's actually financial rewards for those that finish second and third in the voting. So nice feather in his cap if that happens, but I think even just to be nominated, um, you know, would be a pretty big leap. And, and for whatever reason, I, I personally don't view it this way, but the Norris is sort of an award where it feels like it's almost like a multi-year award. You know, obviously you're only voting on that season, but you, know, you almost need to get that consideration. It, it seems like before guys end up winning it. And so for Darnell, you know, I, I think it's going to be, it's been a huge season for him, I think, to 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 take a, a leap as compared to the other top defensemen around the league. 
I, he'll definitely get those votes and, and, you know, maybe it sets him up to, to compete, to win it in future years. But, you know, I suspect it's going to be tough to, to keep Hedman from winning this one. I, you know, I haven't looked at it too, too closely just yet, but that's, that's kind of where my, my brain's at at this point in time. But, you know, I certainly think Darnell will be on my ballot and, and I'm sure many others as well. Yeah. I like how you put that a multi-year award. I think we have seen that sometimes in, in the past for sure. It's hey, not man. fair and it's not right, but it just seems to be the way it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Hey, uh, Chris, thanks for checking in. Uh, I know there's some games on the tube here. We're both trying to follow along here as uh, as we're doing this and going through the evening. I always love having you on. All the best with the running, and let's connect again soon. Yeah, thanks, Reed, and uh, keep enjoying it. I'm sure we'll have some playoff matchups to talk about uh, next time around. This next half hour of the show is dedicated to Carol in Fort Saskatchewan. Carol, enjoy your canned ham. Four and a half minutes left in the first period. Toronto and Vancouver are scoreless. Actually, that's false. There is a score. It's 0-0. They are goalless. They are not goalless in Pittsburgh. At one point tonight, the Penguins led the Devils 6-0. It is now 7-5 for the Penguins with three minutes to go. My goodness. Five goals in the third period for New Jersey to make it very, very interesting. We'll keep you updated on that one. The Islanders pounding the Rangers tonight. 6-1 is the final. A young man by the name of Jordan Eberle scored a goal. He now has 15 for the Islanders. Late in the third, it is Carolina up 3-1 on Tampa Bay. The Panthers win 5-1 over the Blue Jackets. Sam Bennett is a better Panther than he was a Flame. He has two more goals tonight for Florida, now up to seven on the season. Early in the second period, Dallas with a 3-0 lead on Detroit. Joe Pavelski with his 19th of the season there. Ducks and Kings coming up a little later, and it is a 2-0 win for the Boston Bruins over the Buffalo Sabres. Tuka Rask gets the shutout. Oilers and Canadians tomorrow right here on 6.30. Chad, face-off show at 6 The game will start at 8 as the Oilers will try to sweep this two-game set. Then the Oilers have four days without a game again. They're going to be in Winnipeg next Monday and Wednesday and then host the Flames next Thursday as we move into the stretch drive and the Oilers are trying to nail down a playoff spot. Ryan Nugent Hopkins took the practice today. It was an optional practice, but he was out there. He'll be looked at in the morning, could play tomorrow. Jujar Kara, Dave Tippett said he's feeling okay, but it doesn't sound like he's going to play tomorrow against the Canadians. He got wobbled on that hit by Alexander Romanoff last night. Carey Price for the Canadians, out a week with a concussion, thanks to the goalie interference situation with Alex Chase on last night. John Tavares has just scored for the Maple Leafs, so they go up one nothing on Vancouver with 3.05 left in the first period. Uh, Kellen Kennedy back at the 6.30 Chet Broadcasting Compound. We had a very nice caller about 20 minutes ago. Uh, Chris called in and said she enjoys the play-by-play work of Cam Moon. Mm-hmm. She also, what, what does she call uh, Cam, that new young man we have doing the games? I think something like that, yep. Well, Cam recently had a birthday. By some standards, he would be young. By other standards, he would not be. We, we'll just leave it at that. Are you aware of what Cam turned, Kellen? No, don't say it. No. 
No, I'm not. Okay. No, he's st- he's still too new, so I haven't figured it out. Yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, look, he's uh, give me a yeah, season. I, or so. <laughs> I recently had a birthday too, and it's not too it's not too far behind Cam. But you know, Cam's been in broadcasting uh, over two decades. Mm-hmm. So even if he would have started when he was 15, that means he's at least in his late 30s. And we know he played junior hockey, so I don't think he yeah, would well, I, I don't, his own games. So. <laughs> I don't know a lot of broadcasters who started at least full-time doing WHL play-by-play at the age of 15. I'm sure there are 15-year people who started doing something on radio, television, print media, podcasting, YouTubers. See, I wonder what's going to happen for the next generation of, of people who work in the broadcasting medium. Mm-hmm. And things are changing with uh, with things like podcasts and YouTube and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you can find YouTube videos on, well, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a topic. You could probably find something on a frivolous, like probably guys review video games and get millions of views. There's probably like do you do you watch or listen to wrestling podcasts, Kellen? Oh yeah, there's it's almost a joke that it's oversaturated right now with, with yeah. too many wrestling podcasts. Yeah. Well, that's but. the thing too. There's a lot to sift through, I suppose. If you went on iTunes or something that provided a uh, podcasts, mm-hmm. and you put in something you like, wrestling, Spider Man, Van Halen, whatever, you could get dozens, if not hundreds, of results. They're not all going to be good or of interest to you. Right. Uh, I generally, if if somebody asks me to go on a podcast or another radio show for that matter, I pretty much always say yes as long as it doesn't conflict with my own work. Uh, I was I was on a podcast well, a few months ago now with a young guy in Portland. Well, I don't know if he was really young. I think he might have been around thirty, so certainly younger than me. And he likes hockey, and he does a podcast, and he's big into the Portland Warehawks, and he likes following the Oilers. So he said, "We said, will you come on my podcast?" And I said, "Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll come on. That's fine." And he, uh, so I, we go connected over Zoom. So he was recording it, and he said, uh, "So we talked a little bit beforehand, and mm. he asked me some stuff about me, and he wanted to talk about Blockbuster, of course." See, I think that's as an aside, Kellen. I think that's actually why people ask me on their podcasts. It's because I think they want Blockbuster video stories. Is there? A I don't block- think th- I don't <laughs> think they care that I cover the Oilers or that I host a talk show, and that they don't want to know anything that I will tell them about hockey. Right. I think they just want Blockbuster video stories. Now you, make which is want- which is fine by me. Yeah. Now you make me want to go uh, when I get home and and search into Google or whatever to see if there's any blockbuster video podcasts or video. Well, there, there's, there's gotta be, there's gotta be. See, I, and then probably what would happen is if somebody who did a blockbuster video podcast asked me to come on, they'd probably want to talk about the Oilers the entire time. But <laughs> anyway, exactly. so this, uh, this, this guy has me, uh, he's talking to me beforehand and, and really, again, if somebody asked me to go on, unless for some reason I get the sense that they're, you know, hostile or have a really bad reputation, then I might not. But I mean, I, I don't think anybody would ask me if that was who they were. So I'm kind of chatting with him before he starts taping. And then he goes, uh, I ask him, well, how long you've been doing this? And he goes, well, I don't, have done, I don't know how many episodes he'd done, but it was, it was a fair amount. And then he says, yeah, last week I had 10 views. That was an all-time high. And I was like, all right, that's fine, man. Like, <laughs> you know. He's got 10 views. He connected with 10 people. That's cool. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of different content out there. It's just, it it is, 
it is a lot. And I think you have to sort of filter what works for you and realize, I think this goes with the internet in general. There's a lot of stuff out there that's kind of bunk, Kellen, to use the uh, term. And I'm not talking about the character bunk from The Wire. Great show. There you go. All right. Oh, we got Steve. Let's do a timeout here so we can get in a good segment with Steve Steos. He now runs the Hamilton Bulldogs, the former Oilers defenseman. Hamilton Bulldogs in the OHL, and after trying and trying and trying, they're not going to have a season. He'll fill you in when we get back. Forty seconds left in the third period in Pittsburgh. The Penguins lead the Devils seven six. At one point, it was six nothing for the Penguins. After the first, Maple Leafs up one nothing in Vancouver. Welcome back to Inside Sports. Former Oilers defenseman, now the president and GM of the Hamilton Bulldogs. It's Steve Steos. Hey, Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, Reed. Thanks for having me. Well, I always appreciate you taking time to catch up with the fans in oil country who loved watching you play here for several years. And it's great to know, you know, it's been a good journey for you for the most part with the Hamilton Bulldogs, but that is where we got to start tonight, I guess, Stephen. Man, oh man, that is some tough news for, for your players and players around the OHL. Yeah, it really was, Reed. Like, it's just kind of one of those announcements that we thought might have been coming here uh you know with as uh, as long as it's taken to to get to this level um and watching all the other leagues get started i think uh, there's some optimism there um as we saw the whl finally announce and, and get started and and i'm just crushed for our players and um they work very hard and they're great kids and it's their passion especially at this age i mean it's it's what they know and the mental health side of things as well. So it's been, uh, it's been a, a long road to here with uh, continuing zoom calls and offering all the support and uh, our sports psychologists have been in touch with our players. Like that's really my main concern. Um, and um, you know, today's a day of finality in that regard and we'll move forward as best we can offer the best support that we can for them. Well, and it is tough because can you kind of quantify what this does to player development and players who are hoping to improve their draft stock for the guys good enough to go pro? I mean, it's, it's such a, a lost campaign for those guys, or is it, or were there other things that could, could still be done? Um, it, it is in a way where, you know, they, they lost out on the games and the evaluation process for NHL teams to be able to come in and, and just the development, you can develop, you know, off ice and on ice uh, with skill development and practices and scrimmages and things like that. But nothing takes the place of being in a competition and being in those situations and being able to grow from uh, being in, in games like that. Uh, so you miss out on that. I think the one way that, and you know, I'm, I'm not sort of sugarcoating it, but the, re- the way I explain it to our players, Reed, is that every year is your draft year, um, you know, whether it's your, your first year of eligibility or not. And you see more and more teams in the National Hockey League looking at players maybe a year or two into the draft. I think everybody understands that the development curve is different for, for each individual athlete, and um, they're taking a longer look at that. So, and, and as well as free agents. So we've had players off of our team here in Hamilton that – went undrafted and got signed and uh, weren't even returned for an overage year. So there's different ways to make it. Um, you know, I was fortunate to play a long time and, and live through some of those uh, 
situations, but also have teammates that went through them as well. So I could offer that support to them as well. But uh, no doubt it's tough. I think mentally, if it's your, your draft year or not, you're kind of gearing up uh, to get out there and hopefully play well enough to uh, earn yourself a an NHL opportunity. And uh, it's certainly been taken away. But I do think that the ro- runway is long for these players, and I want them to I keep reminding them that that's the case. Yeah, well, that's a good way to put it. Steve, are you able to provide any context for – how the OHL was proposing to operate its season and maybe why that just wasn't going to fly with what's going on in Ontario. Can you shed any light on that? Yeah, unfortunately I I can't, Um, you know, as a president general manager, but uh, not on the board and uh, everything was really sort of tight lipped. And uh, for all the reasons that we know when you're negotiating and speaking to uh, public health officials and politicians, uh, that was the course of uh, communication that they took. So we didn't know, uh, anyway, in the chair that I was sitting, we didn't really know a lot of what was going on. Um, There's some speculation here and there, but uh, um, I'm not exactly sure what it looks like, Reed. I know that, I think there's a number of things that that were looked at, Um, you know, uh, bubble scenarios for sure, um, where they would have, it it just didn't get far enough down in the detail where I could really speak to it. But I, I know that they looked at all different options to get us going. Yeah. Well, so unfortunate about that. So, uh, so we plug away and I should transition here into talking about your, your former team, the Edmonton Oilers and uh, a great game last night, intense, physical, little nasty at times, close game. You know, I, I was, I asked tip this morning when the Oilers did their zoom availability. And I said, you know, people in the media will use the term statement game, which probably might not mean anything to players and coaches, but, I just think you survive a game like that and not just survive it, but answer the bell and win it. That's got to mean something down the road, wouldn't it? Well, there's always these galvanizing moments and times or games or even periods of play um, that test the will of your group and the character of your group. I thought it was, you know, the, the Montreal team, I thought what I found it was interesting and maybe what ignited it was, you know, you have a, a really smart, good player like Dano on the other side, and he's going up against Connor McDavid. And um, I thought what was really impressive was uh, Connor wasn't waiting for anybody else to sort of make the statement. And uh, he, he just seemed like he was on another level last night and uh, obviously up to the challenge, um, you know, for such a highly skilled guy, the best player in the game right now to be able to take that upon himself and actually make a statement himself from a physical aspect and, and, and start getting into guys. I just thought that was really the turning point. So, I mean, I've played with some great leaders before and it's always, um, you know, when Jason Smith goes to send a statement with a big check or stick it up for a teammate, uh, that's one thing, uh, you know, and uh, when, when your leader is, uh, uh, has that type of character, but he's also the highly, highest skilled player in the game. I thought it was fantastic. And you could just see the energy and the, and the intensity raised when he did that. Well, I, I like how you put that. And I also wonder from your perspective, and, and you played over a thousand games in the league and you were on the Oilers team that went to the Stanley Cup final. And look, Steve, I don't want to understate that the NHL is an elite physical league where it's a you know a physical challenge every night but there there must have been some games where you got out there and maybe after three or four shifts maybe you probably didn't even need three or four shifts where you thought to yourself 
or you're saying to your buddies on the bench, okay, like th- this team on that other bench, they're bringing it tonight. Like this, this is, this is wrapped up to even what we usually experience. So we better answer the bell. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, it seemed like the, you know, the game has just increasingly gotten better and faster and, uh, um, you know, more skilled. And a lot of it was the rule changes coming out of the lockout. I think that changed a lot and allowed the skilled players to play a little bit more. So you don't see, you're right, you don't see the physical sort of intensity where you can tell when a game is on, uh, like you're talking about, Reed. But uh, um, last night was reminiscent of some of those nights. I mean, we, we knew, listen, we knew when we were going into Calgary or Vancouver, um, you know, back when I was with the Oilers and playing, we knew it was going to be, there was never a night off in those barns with, uh, with the, the, the animosity that we built up over the years. So, um, we kind of knew it even before the game, not even from the first shift, but he like, you didn't have to step on the ice. You'd feel it build throughout the day or the days, the days prior to. So, um, yeah, it's great to see. I mean, again, like, and again, when I say that about Jason Smith, he was the leader that we followed and he was the, one of the best, if not the best that I played for. Uh, but to add what Connor does with the skill level and the ability to take over a game offensively to that, um, I thought that was pretty impressive. So you feel for Petrie and Edmondson then, who might be the best defense pairing in the country, by the way, as a, as a pairing, you feel for them when he's able to split them and score that game-winning goal. I just, I, I actually had a discussion with with uh, with uh, my assistant general manager today when we were talking about this stuff, and we did kind of digress and talk about the NHL. Um, get our minds off of what's going on in our league right now. And we just like, how do you defend it? You know, like, what do you do? Do you just sort of, you know, d- dive towards the puck and hopefully you can sweep away at it. Cause if you st- stand up, it's just, he's just so fast, so strong. Um, you know, even if you do get body on him, he's, he's got enough obviously balance to be able to elude those checks and keep the pace up. It's, it's re- really impressive to be, to be watching. You know what else is interesting, and I'll, I'll I'll tie this in here to the to the 06 run to Game Seven, and unfortunately, Roley got knocked out in that series. But you know, I, we, Rob Brown and I, after games, get the texts and the phone calls. Well, you know, Smith is this year's Rollison. You know, I I don't want to overly directly compare two guys because they are their own uh, own goaltenders with different styles. I mean, nobody plays the the puck like Mike Smith, but there is that sort of element of. Uh, well, like we were talking about earlier that, that I'm not going to back down, you know, like let's, I'm, I'm going to show, I got a little bit of a attitude here and, uh, and we're not going away from this, this fight. I mean, Smith exudes that. And I think Roley was kind of, am I right or wrong that he was kind of known for being that way a bit too. Really? Roley was feisty competitor. Yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, he was really a feisty guy in the net and vocal and yeah, some leadership qualities. Now I've never, played with Mike Smith, but obviously just watching him play and knowing players who have played in front of him, the defensemen. Now they love it from the perspective of there's a leadership quality, but you're right. The, the puck ability and being able to get back, especially in today's game with the forecheck being as fast and as intense as it is and the speed of the game to be able to go out there, and even on hard rims, when he goes, go, goes out there and he gets his, he has a stick halfway up in the air and be able to bat pucks down for his defenseman. Um, makes your life a lot easier going back for pucks, you know? So, but yeah, Roly, Roly was incredible for us. I mean, again, there's understated leadership and uh, you know, it's amazing when you have that type of leadership coming uh, from your, from your goaltender. 
Well, Steve, we appreciate that perspective. It's always fun to catch up with you. Again, I wish the circumstances were better with the Ontario Hockey League, but I know you guys are going to work through it, and hopefully the Bulldogs and the OHL is back very strong in the fall, and uh, and the rest of the world is heading that direction as well. Thanks for checking in, and hey, maybe we could talk during an Oilers playoff run in a few weeks. That would be fun. I'd love to, Reed. All the best to you. That is Steve Steos. No season, unfortunately, for him and the Hamilton Bulldogs in the OHL. The Penguins do hang on to beat the Devils 7-6. End of the first. Maple Leafs up 1-0 on the Canucks. I'll talk to you at the face-off show, 6 tomorrow. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.